0: If you're newer here, man, we are grateful that God has brought you. I believe that everybody in this space online and in this room, that God has been maneuvering in your life, that God is personally arranging, orchestrating for you to be here, to speak life, to transform you into the likeness of his son, Jesus. And that sounds kind of weird, but uh, that's what we're after. And we're glad you're a part of it. If you're unfamiliar with Uh, Me or my family, my Debbie and I, we've been married for like 47 years, so we're old people. And we just returned from a vacation, our annual fall trip uh, to the Rockies. And this is why we go out to Colorado in the fall. The colors are just absolutely brilliant. The aspen trees, I mean, God favored us. It's kind of a guessing game when the trees are going to change. But man, this year it was just absolutely brilliant. Breathtaking. Now, really, you can see fall colors in their fullness at a lot of places in the U.S. And this isn't the only reason we go to Colorado. This is the big, big reason. This is Mount Albert. It's the tallest mountain in Colorado, over 14,000 feet. My Deb and I, when we were younger, uh, had climbed it a few times, took people out there from our church. They climbed it. Now we're old, we just take pictures. And uh, we stay very close to uh, Mount Albert, uh, but I wanted to really tell you the story of the first 14,000-foot peak uh, that Deb and I climbed years and years ago. That, pre, that That picture, go back just a second. That picture I took from the seat of my bicycle. I think next year I'll be using a walker. But um, I'll keep taking pictures. Now, this is the first mountain that Deb and I climbed years ago. Go to the next mountain, please. This is Mount uh, Shivano, also a 14,000-foot peak. This is what we love about central Colorado. It's just miles and miles of 14,000-foot peaks. And I had read, years ago, I had read that at 14,000 feet, Sunlight is 25 percent more intense, so that everything appears to have an extra uh, dimension, uh, kind of a glow. And I wanted to see that, so we camp out in a mountain meadow at the base of the mountain, and uh, are super super excited the next day to do something we've never done. We had hiked um, the Appalachian Trail at least 40 miles of it uh, down in Tennessee. We'd done Midwest hiking, but we had never climbed a mountain. And so today was our day, and uh, we're up early, excited to be on the trail, on the climb, and we climb for hours, and finding out that it is a physical challenge, but it's as much a mental challenge. We get up to a a shoulder of the mountain, and man, I am done. Um, We eat some granola, some uh, jerky, and I tell Deb, man, it's beautiful up here. I don't need to go to the top. I am finished. Um, let's Let's just go back down. She said, you wait here and rest. I'm going to the top. (laughs) So like I have for the last 47 years, I followed her. And uh, we kept climbing. We get to the base of the summit, and we've got another 100 yards, 150 yards, up, 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 hand over hand to get to the top. And uh, now it's Deb who says, I can't go another step. I can't do that. I'm finished. And I said, that's okay, sweetheart. You rest here. I'm going to the top. And she said, if you're going, I'm going. (laughs) And and we did. We get to the top. There's canisters on the top of 14ers that are chained to the top of the mountain. You pull out a register. You sign your name that you made it to the top. And, um, but what I knew I would have never finished that, not mentally, not physically, without my wife pushing me, challenging me, supporting me, encouraging me. And I know that Debbie wouldn't have made it to the top without a very handsome man going first and leading her. Um, But it's a great lesson for us because there have been other big mountains in our life, international adoption mountains, marital mountains, Parenting mountain. And you've had the same. You've had unemployment mountains. You've had financial mountains. You've had mental mountains. We all face mountains. Now, here's the deal you never get to the top on your own. Somebody, some group of somebodies has got to encourage you, has got to push you, has got to lead you, has got to encourage you so that you get to the top. I love what Henry Ford said your best friend is the person who brings out the best in you when you need it the most in the most challenging and difficult of times. But I'm gonna share with you, I'm not a motivational speaker. I love Jesus, I love his word. I want us all to live our lives by his word. And here's a spiritual truth that is greater than anything Henry Ford ever dreamed. It takes a whole team to live God's dream. God's dream is an enormous mountain. He has a dream for your life, incomprehensible, phenomenal, but you never get to the top by yourself. Even a best friend, one best friend is not enough to get you to the top of God's dream for your life. It takes a whole team of good, really good friends to encourage you, to challenge you, to to support you, to direct, to push you till you get to the top, till you realize the dream of God for your life. You see, a team is a group of friends and maybe you're already wondering, well, you know, David, I'm, I'm really kind of lonely. I, I don't really have anything, one special in my life. Where am I going to get a group of friends? Well, I'm glad you came. I mean, it's one of the reasons here at Central. One of our highest priorities is to challenge you, to push you into a small group, form a group, join a group. I believe ministry teams are the best way to grow in friendship with other people as you serve Jesus with them in his church. And we have ministry teams all over every area of this church that you could be a part of. Out in our coffee area, um, there are displays about our groups and our ministry teams. So I'd encourage you just to stop by there after the service and choose one. Get connected because it takes initiative on your part. I mean, I'm grateful for my Debbie and that she stuck with me for 47 years, but I need a team of really good friends around me to help me achieve God's dream for my life. Now, sadly... Um, Our culture understands our raw nerve need for multiple relationships. We were created for rich community. We were created to connect in multiple, a team of good friends. And so Hollywood, they know that about us. So they keep pumping out these shows like Seinfeld or The Office or, of course, Friends. Now, this shows my age because I don't know what's on TV now. But they understand now, sadly, most people today settle for fake friendships on social media. It's about likes and followers. But real friendship happens on a regular basis. Let's say on a weekly basis, when you sit down face-to-face with someone and interact with them over what God is doing in your life. That's why every week we are preparing these study guides for you, grab one on your way out, and then grab a friend, grab a family member, grab a few friends. But every week, go through this together. Set aside some time each week for brownies and the Bible. But but go through this together because if you come and listen to me talk, you only retain about ten percent of what I say, and that's usually my good jokes. But if you sit down and talk with someone about what you've experienced and go deeper into the texts that have been shared, you retain 85% of what you've experienced, 85%. That's life change, that's transformation. You ever and again begin to take on the character of Jesus himself. The Bible is not into fake friendship about likes or followers. The wisest man in history, Solomon. Here's what he said. Here's the better way to do multiple relationships. Two people, he said, are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. And I believe that this word has implications for every area of our life. That parenting success, marital success, I need more than my Debbie for a great marriage. She needs more than we, meet, we need a, a team of really good friends around us to encourage us and push us and keep us going in the right direction. Financial success, work success. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Two people lying close together can keep each other warm. This is why I don't like king-size beds but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. Three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Now, Solomon may be the wisest man in history, but his logic is easy to follow. When he talks about relationships, he says, two this is how he starts, two are better than one. And then he goes to three as being better than two. And the idea of the text, the intent is that you just keep going with it, that four are better than three and five are better than four. Now, I've run out of fingers, but you see what I mean? We need a team of really good people around us to push us, to challenge us, to get us going and keep us in the right direction. Let me show you. Everybody is better off with a group of very good Somebodies. When I say very good, I don't mean very holy. I don't mean goody two-shoes. I don't mean perfect. When I say very good, I mean people who are willing to pull you, to push you in the direction of Jesus. Uh, Let me show you. Uh, Kim, come up here a second. Thanks for taking notes, you're brilliant. No, no, not up here. This this is like holy ground. I'm teasing you. I love you, Kim. Okay, no. (laughs) Get back down there. I need help. Okay, now, this is Kim. She does come up here and leads in our worship. Kim. Okay, which do you think is easier for Kim to pull me off the stage or for me to pull her up on the stage? Which is easier? Yeah, pull me off. That's it. That's all I need. You get a cut of the offering. I love you. Um, Now, when you initiate friendship, you're looking for people building a group of great friends around you, not people who pull you down. If you have people in your life who pull you down, you're in the wrong relationship. If you have people who pull you away from Jesus, you're in the wrong relationship. The right friends lift you up. The right friends, they don't pull you. The right friends push you in the direction of Jesus. The right friends lead you in the direction of Jesus. The right friends are committed to your relationship with Jesus, Um, and I I don't know where you can find that more accessible or more effective than serving Jesus in his church on a ministry team. Here we go, the best friends partner together to serve God. Um, And something happened to me this week on Friday. Uh, We got back from Colorado on Tuesday, uh, wrote my message, wrote my message, wrote my message, and by Friday noon, I'm done. And I'm out of the office, headed home for lunch, but someone calls my name. The hallway is dark outside my office, and my eyesight is just terrible anymore. And um, I, I can't recognize them until they're right up almost in my face. And it, it's a friend of mine from here at church, um, a young woman, younger than me anyway. And I ask her how she is, and she can't respond. Uh, Her chin is trembling and her lips are quivering and there are tears coming down her cheeks. And what's going on? And she can't respond. She just kind of shakes her head. And so I "I said, I'm going to pray with you. And as I pray, she finds her voice. And as I pray with her, she begins to say over and over again, I don't know what her struggle is. I don't know the problem. I don't know the brokenness. But what she says over and over again is, I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus. I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus. And I just keep agreeing with her. In my prayer, I pray that that she'll be enabled to keep her eyes on Jesus. And that he'll just take her up and hold her. And in the holding healer, that he'll take his nail pierced hands and apply them to her heart and mind and, and restore her to her best version of herself. But you see, That's what friends do. They help each other keep their eyes on Jesus. And it may require prayer. It's not because like I'm a guy that's paid to be a Christian. The best kind of friend is a friend willing to pray with and for another friend. And so you need people in your life who are willing to pray with you and for you. But maybe for you to be the kind of friend you need to be, you need to take your prayer life up and up a notch and be willing to pray with your friends. The best kind of friend is a friend who will push you, encourage you, support you, direct you into serving Jesus with them. I talked to a friend of mine here this morning. Uh, She and her husband uh, live in Fort Atkinson. Deb, is that right? They live, pardon me, oh, Cambridge. They drive in every weekend. They're beginning to come in at nine o'clock to serve. She and kids works. Uh, Her husband, Leo, uh, in security. Be my bodyguard, Leo. Um, And then stay for the 1030 service. Last night I was greeting people at our Saturday night service and a young woman sitting right in this section down here, her name is Rebecca, and I've known her for a a number of years. And um, she stops me um, after we shake hands and she says, I want you to pray for me. And I said, why? How can I pray for you, Rebecca? She says, tomorrow I'm going to start serving in kids works for the very first time. And I I began to pray over her the word of God, Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 is true of me. It's true of you. It's true of Rebecca. Here's what I prayed You are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. From the day that young woman was born, God had dreamed of this day when she would start serving in kids' works. And the same is true of you. From the day you were born, God has been dreaming, preparing, planning great things for you to do. You can say no to the greatness. You can say you're too busy. You can say you got other things to do. You can say, well, I'm really not qualified, but God has planned good things for you to do. The best friends you have in your life, and if you wanna be a a best friend to those others in your life, then you push them into serving Jesus. And you allow them to push you into serving Jesus. You see, the word of God says, the apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, for we are partners working together for God. That's that's us, it's one of the reasons that my Debbie and I have stayed here for 40 years as your pastor. It's because you're our friends. Other teams of people have come from other places and other churches and asked us to move. But they're not our friends. Those other places, those guys aren't our friends. They don't know us. They don't. You're our friends, and we are here to partner with you in the work of God, serving God together. That's what friends do. You see, if you're newer here, we believe that following Jesus. Yeah, you follow him into worship, but you also follow him into serving others, and you push others, direct others, encourage others to do the same. Um, Sometimes people come to church, and, and this isn't a bad thing, but they come, and the first thing on their brain is they want help, and maybe they tell you their problems, and me their problems, and her their problems, and him their problems, and... Nothing helps. You can keep telling a million people your problems and didn't help. What helps is you becoming a help. Helping is how you get God's help. I mean, we all, here's what I want to show you. We all need to help. That's, notice that comes first. First. We all need to help. This is where you get fulfillment and significance and meaning. This is where you find your purpose in life. You help. You serve. We all need to help. And then guess what? And to be helped. As we serve God, he serves us. As we help him in ministry, he helps us by ministering to us. Here's what the Bible says. Paul writing to the church in Rome, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. He doesn't say with a lot of faith. You can have the faith, infinitesimal faith. It's not about the size of your faith, it's about the size of your God. So, with the faith you have, the faith I have, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. So, well, how does this work in reality, in real life? How does my faith help you, and how does your faith help me? Well, there are three enormous mountains we are all called to climb. These are the top three. We get these three right. That first mountain Deb and I climbed, someone asked me today how many mountains uh, we've climbed in Colorado, and for me it's about uh, two dozen, 14ers. But after that first one, After that first one, we knew we could make it to the top of every other peak we went after. These are the three big peaks of life. You get to the top of these mountains and anything is possible for God to do in your life. You you see, as friends, we need to help each other, our faith to help each other climb the mountain of integrity. As friends, our faith helps grow our integrity. I'm not going to be a person of integrity. You're not going to be a person of integrity on our own or even with one best friend. We need a group of friends because here's the deal. My natural default position is sin. Your natural default position is to do what feels is good for you, even if that means lying or doing the wrong thing. That's our natural default position. So we need people in our lives who hold us accountable and push us, direct us, lead us, support us toward integrity. Here's what the Bible says. People with integrity walk safely. And that word means confident and carefree. Confident, that's the opposite of insecure. Confident, that's the opposite of being afraid. Carefree, that's the opposite of worry and anxiety. When we challenge each other, when we support each other, when we push each other in the direction of integrity, we are pushing each other and leading each other in the direction of living with confidence, living a carefree life. That's a big mountain we can't achieve on our own, the mountain of integrity. But there's a second mountain that we can't get to the peak of on our own. We need people, a team of good people around us. And it's a mountain of humility. As friends, our faith helps grow our humility. And the, the deal is I need help with this, and you do, because our default position is to think more about ourselves, to think too much about ourselves and to think too much about ourselves. Try to, stop, try to spend five minutes right now Not thinking about yourself. Okay, I've set you up. Now all I can do is think about yourself. But you know the secret to stop thinking about yourself? It's to think about others, to think about how Jesus can use you to help them, to meet their needs, to serve them. And as as you wrap your heart and your head around serving others, you, you start thinking less and less and less about yourself. I need your help. to to climb the mountain of humility. You need my help to climb the mountain of humility. Now, when you get my help, it's way down here. But when you get God's help, this is where God works wonders in your marriage and in your parenting and in your finances. When you help me, this is kind of help I'm getting from you. Nothing against you, nothing against me. We're just human. But when I humble myself, this is the help I get from God. And this is where the miraculous and the wonders take place in my life. The Bible says this, the Lord helps the humble. And so when you, the best thing you can do is help me be humble. Best thing I can do is help you grow in humility because as we are humble, then we get God's help. The miraculous, this is just natural help. This is supernatural help. Here's the final mountain. Mountain of integrity, mountain of humility, and the third mountain. You get these three peaks, you can do anything in your relationship with God and others. It's the mountain of generosity. And our default position, our nature, is to be not selfish so much as afraid. We're afraid that if we're generous with others, that there won't be enough love for us to get what we want for us. And so as Christ followers, we encourage each other to give. God modeled it for us, didn't he? John 3, 16, for God so loved, he, he gave. He gave his one and only son. He gave his best. He gave his all, his one and only son, Jesus, that whosoever surrenders to Jesus will never die but have everlasting life. Yeah. I need help. Climbing the Mount of Generosity. I need you to come around me. Say, David, don't worry, man. Whatever you give God, He'll replenish, He'll restore, and more. You need my help to encourage you. This is why every quarter we have a love offering for broken places in the world. Because of the earthquake in Haiti, uh, we are helping. We have an orphanage. If you don't know us, we have an orphanage in Haiti. My adopted son, Wilkie, from Haiti, um, has built this orphanage orphanage with our help. But because of the earthquake, our boys in the orphanage cannot live under the roof because the structure has been violated. And so our love offering, we're going to take $6,000 to restore the structure to get those boys. There's... Quai Bouquet is a Satan worship area in Haiti. We have a friend there. His name is Walter Dort. If you want, I want to understand Satan worship in Haiti, for instance, one of Walter's families, a dad sacrificed a goat to Satan to, I don't know, maybe get a more productive crop, but it didn't work. So the voodoo priest says, okay, the goat didn't work. Now you got to sacrifice your daughter. And so we're going to help there. We're going to help the love of Jesus be proclaimed in the heart of Satan worship in Cuau Pastor Jay's orphanage, our Ray, uh, Ray McElroy, in addition to serving as our associate minister, he has a ministry to middle school boys in the inner city of Chicago. And we're going to help that ministry. We did the offering last week. People will probably continue to give toward it. But we do that because we got to challenge each other. We got to show each other, hey, that we can make that gift to that orphanage. We don't even miss it. Life goes on. In fact, God gives us more. Out of the blue, God replenishes. But generosity is a hard deal. But you climb that mountain, you climb the mountain of integrity, you climb the mountain of humility, and there ain't nothing stopping you for living the mountain of of God's dream for your life. The word of God says, the generous will themselves be blessed. Now that word means experience supreme happiness. So did you catch the flow here? The mountain of generosity, you experience supreme happiness. The, the mountain of humility, you get God's supernatural, miraculous help. The, the mountain of integrity, you get to live confident and carefree. And, and, and some of you, you're just saying, yeah, 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 I know that, David, because that's how I grew up. Some of you grew up in a great home. You had great uh, parents. Um, I met a young woman here today, who's been watching us online, came this weekend, she came with her mom and dad. You know something, I, I, I can't, there's nothing I can respect more in a mom and dad than they are supporting uh, their child in their spiritual growth. Now not everybody gets to grow up in a home like that. I love my mom and dad, grateful to them, I try to call them every day, uh, if you don't know me or my family, my dad is 93, my mom is 89, and uh, Deb and I try to keep track of them every day out of gratitude for how good they've been to us. But not everybody gets to grow up in a home like that. But here's the good news. God allows you to choose your family as you choose great friends. Your friends become your family. Your friends become better family to you than family. Family. Friends are the family you get to choose for yourself. Isn't God good? You didn't get to choose to be abused. You didn't get to choose to be neglected. You didn't get to choose to be unloved, but you could choose your own family by choosing a circle of great friends who want to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. But let me tell you something way better and more important than this. Friends of faith become your forever family. Forever, when you serve, I didn't tell you the end of Rebecca's story, our Becca, who is our director of early childhood development on our staff, Becca took Rebecca out to Dunkin' Donuts uh, to talk about kids' works. And they talk for an hour, and when it's over, Be- Rebecca asks Becca, Do you want to know why I want to serve? <laughs> and Becca says, Yeah, I do want to know. And she says, I want to figure out. My daughter loves kids' works, and I want to find out why. And now she's serving, and now Deb's going to serve, and Leo's going to serve, and many of you serve. And guess what? We just keep getting to do it forever and ever and ever in heaven. You see, heaven is where you get to do what you love best with those you love most in the presence of Jesus and forever. Ever. Here's the word of God. Scripture says God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us, me, you, into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us, to die for our sins, to die in our place, to take the punishment we deserve. Jesus took it on himself on the cross. To take all God's judgment, all God's wrath, all God's condemnation that we deserve for our friends, sins, Jesus took it all on himself. And He did this because he wanted to, because he wanted you. Jesus died on the cross because he wanted you. He wanted you to be his friend forever. He's praying for you right now. If you're willing to pray in his name, he'll pray with you right now. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me and join in prayer in Jesus' name. I believe Jesus is calling you to serve him. I believe Jesus is calling you to do the good works that he's prepared for you since the day you were born. You can ignore him. You can say later, another more convenient time Or you can say, I will. Yes, I'll find a place to serve you. I'll find a group. I'll be a friend. You are my friend, Jesus, who stays closer than a brother. Greater love has no man than this, than you lay down your life for your friend. Jesus, you laid down your life for me. I will serve you. Would you bow with me, please? Let's pray together. Our Father, what an amazing, amazing God you are, and we worship you. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, you came to be with us. You came to be one of us. You lived the life that we have failed to live. And you died the death we deserve to die, but you are raised from the dead. You were exalted to the right hand of God and you are alive in our hearts. You are alive in this place and you simply want more life in us. Lord Jesus, come and abide in us now. Lord Jesus, we hear your call. Lord Jesus, we heed, we answer your call. We humble ourselves and seek your face and pray. Your will be done in our lives, just like it is in heaven. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.